Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. wanted to start off with a player that... I just don't understand uh, the allegiance to this player. Second year wide receiver, just so much promise coming into the NFL, so much promise coming into 2023, and it has not happened at all in stop. And that is Sky Moore. I wanted to discuss him for a minute here to start out the show as a profile. He's currently around wide receiver 60 or so in the dynasty marketplace. And you might want to say, well, you know, the Chiefs in general, non-Travis Kelsey, they're struggling. Okay, if that's the hypothesis here, is that take out Travis Kelsey and the rest of the wide receivers and tight ends attached to Patrick Mahomes, attached to Andy Reid, they are struggling. Okay, well, did the dirty math here. So through week eight, week, week seven here. Uh, so Travis Kelsey, he's on another planet. He's an alien that uh, ended up being spawned from two alien parents and became a super alien. He's averaging 2.92 yards per route run, which is about double the tight end position, about what, what the NFL average is. He's getting a target on basically a third of his routes that he runs. All absurd stuff. And that's absurd for already having the career baseline of being Travis Kelsey. But this is not a Travis Kelsey podcast or segment. Sky Moore, in his career now, including 2023, the, the sample size of this year, is averaging 1.19 yards per route run for his career. 1.19. So remember that number. NFL uh, average for wide receiver. So this is just kind of baseline. You're there. You're doing yeoman's work. And you're a functional, what you should be kind of doing in aggregate of the dozens upon dozens of wide receivers around the water cooler of depth charts. 1.5. Let's use that as a just nice round number. 1.5. As a young up and coming wide receiver. On a strong offense, you are averaging 1.19. So the 1.5, you're well below that. And now, let's discuss what you're doing this year. (laughs) 0.9. So last year, you were doing better, still middling, but now you are doing worse, far worse, and not separating yourself when who has really stood out? The last few weeks, we're seeing a little bit of rising from Rasheed Rice. I've discussed him at length on UTH Premium shows about how if there is a breakout player, if there is a right answer, signs point to Rasheed Rice, not any of the other options. Here's how damning it is. So I was looking at, well, you know, we've had a lot of questions about Kansas City, the non-Travis Kelsey pieces. It's Travis Kelsey and the Pips. It's everybody else fighting for table scraps, and they're just not doing that well. Okay, that's the hypothesis. Taking out Travis Kelsey, all other tight ends and wide receivers will take out running backs because they average far lower in terms of their yards per route run. The average for everybody else is 1.24. So even 
taking the aggregate of the Noah Grays, the Blake Bells, the Justin Watsons, the Kadarius Tonys, Justin Ross, uh, Marcus Valdez-Scanling, take the aggregate of all those options, and Sky Moore is still dreadfully below that number. So he's doing less than even those right around him that we view as underwhelming this season. Rasheed Rice is almost 3x yards per outrun for a point of reference. 2.56 as a rookie, and Sky Moore is 0.9 as a second-year player, both round two pedigree, both in the same offense. If you're even, you're leaving. If you're 3x, it's like Sky Moore doesn't exist <laughs> in Rasheed's right orbit. Uh, Marcus Valdez-Scanling, who is easy to say, he just goes out there and it's like he's not there. He's averaging 0.92 yards per route run this season. Higher than Sky Moore. And yet, Sky Moore is holding on somehow. You know how spiders, you go buy a spider web. And you start ticking off the little uh, connectors where they build their web. You have these anchor points that connects them, you know, right in the doorway, just so you can, you know, run your face into them, and you know, or on your staircase. Uh, all those things. You take off one, all of a sudden the spider starts scrambling, holding on. You take off another one, all of a sudden it's dangling there like a flag, and then the spider ends up trying to find a new anchor point, getting up there, and then they can go and rebuild their web. I feel like Sky Moore right now, we've taken off one limb, but frankly, in terms of his profile, we've taken off four anchor points on the spider web of Sky Moore, and yet he is holding on like there's three anchor points remaining of the of the square of the uh, of the of the shape here. So Sky Moore around wide receiver 60. Here's how crazy this is. He's holding on where he's in the radius of Joshua Palmer, a guy you can actually put in your lineup right now. Sky Moore, nowhere near lineups. Michael Wilson is on the success track on a team viewed as far worse in Arizona, and yet they aren't that far apart. He is valued higher by the market than Kendrick Bourne. Startable right now. Jalen Hyatt, who's starting, he's rising. When you're even, you're leaving, and that's applicable because Jalen Hyatt can get on top of folks. He had two or three instances of late separation and making big plays on a Giants team going nowhere without Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hyatt, Tutu Atwell in the opening month of the season showed more than Sky Moore has done in a year and a half. Again, you have, you have upside guys all over the place. I mean, I bang on Alex Pierce on a regular basis. It's become a part-time hobby. And even I, in recent weeks, have admitted he's come down with some big-time plays in that Colts offense. Again, I still don't think he's going to turn into anything. But he's valued at a fraction of what Sky Moore is. And yet, I don't think either one pans out. They're both round two picks. And Alec Pierce is actually out there making some plays. So there's a lot going into this. But one I don't understand is Sky Moore is the perfect player to throw in to basically any dynasty trade out there and say, I'm clearing the roster spot. And I had said, just going back into the time machine, one of my takes last year was 
taking Sky Moore where you are, which I believe was the 106 to 110 range in rookie drafts in 2022, the only reason you do that, or the only reason he is going there, is because of his landing spot. It's not because of his profile. It's not because of his pedigree of round two. And the only reason was you are so intoxicated with the possibility that he is going to be Tyreek Hill or some iteration of a go-to wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Other than that, it made no sense within the class or historically speaking. There are still outs to get a second round pick, a future second for Sky Moore. There are still outs to add a small piece to Sky Moore and get someone like Tyler Lockett. To get someone like, you know, even if you add a second or something, Derrick Henry. You still have outs to churn Sky Moore for Jahan Dotson or to add a second and get Christian Kirk. These are recent obtainable deals. I mean, adding a second to Sky Moore for Rasheed Rice is laughable if you look at their profiles. The gap should be far more. So with Sky Moore, I know I'm spending a lot of time on a sell player, which means the target audience, you know, there's not a lot of people out there. But this is the type of analysis we need to be doing about players and making sure that their profiles and the trajectory they're on, where they sit, uh, where they sit within their team construct of efficiency, production, and career arc to say, does this make sense? That's the type of features you get if you're over at patreon.com UTH. We discuss profiles frequently, uh, get requests from VIPs, and I record custom shows about players, about strategy. It's the type of micro that you need in terms of getting a vantage point on a player. What trajectory are they on? Constantly during the season, a month in, two months in, in the off season, do a full scrub of all the players. Doing this on a prospect basis for for NFL draft classes and dynasty draft classes. So Sky Moore, I'm using him as an example here. And again, part of this audience may already be out on Sky Moore. Tell us something we don't know. I know he's horrible. I know he's going nowhere. But the why is very important because today's Sky Moore is tomorrow's another player that needs to be called out. And I've called out many players that have been far more productive than Sky Moore. And mainly it's from a ceiling perspective of you're investing in a floor and not a ceiling. Be careful. That's replaceable. And Sky Moore, I don't even know what the floor is. The floor is not weekly fantasy starter. The, the floor is not player you're putting in your lineup frequently. Another topic that's going to be key over at UTH in the next few weeks uh, for content and analysis and something, again, you get as a general manager plus subscriber, given a little sneak preview here, is looking at strength of schedule, whether it's the near term or now as we're getting mid-season, shifting towards postseason analysis. One player I wanted to give an example of is Jared Goff. Uh, discussed last week, uh, so folks got a heads up on that. And it's going to be an even better environment this week uh, because coming off the non-game Detroit had in Baltimore, garbage time added up in terms of volume 
for Amon Ross St. Brown, as well as Jameer Gibbs. But it was a down game, a horrific game, a forgettable game for Jared Goff and a lot of components of that offense and team in general. This is probably the low point. The the Raiders are a neutral-ish matchup uh, coming up this next week in week eight. Then you get a bye in week nine. However, the rosy schedule from week 10 through the rest of the season and into the playoffs is pronounced for Detroit and for Jared Goff. So this window here, especially if you're in Superflex and especially if you're looking towards the future, if you're sitting at now through seven weeks, four and three, five and two, heck, six and one or better, that especially if you have any sort of questions among your top two quarterbacks or if you just like more solidity at your quarterback three spot and you might or you can see playing those matchups later on in the season. Look at this schedule, and there's not an avoid matchup here. I'm going to make the argument for maybe one avoid uh, matchup starting in week 10, but you get Chargers in 10, Bears in 11, Packers in 12. The one possible avoid, Saints in 13, but that's a long way off, and let's see where that team is in uh, a month and a half. Then you get the Bears uh, to end the fantasy regular season, Round one of the playoffs. So let's say you don't get a bye. And this is what I like. If you have Jared Goff, then how about you gain your chances there for, uh, if you do have to play in the first round of the playoffs, Denver Broncos, one of the best matchups on the board. You get them in round one of the playoffs. And then Minnesota, another neutral matchup there in the fantasy semis. Worry about the championship game when you get there. That's Dallas, and that's their worst matchup left on the board. So this is Jared Goff, and again, timing the market can be key. He has quality weapons, a quality system, and he's coming off a down game, a forgettable game against Baltimore. He's got his bye week looming, especially if you're able to make a trade involving a quarterback that their bye week has already occurred. You can make that a win-win when you're looking ahead for the postseason and for the run down in the second half of the fantasy season here. The final player and situation I would highlight this week is Amari DiMarcato. He was a surprise workhorse running back this past week. Didn't really know how things were going to pan out with no James Conner. Well, we found out. Amari DiMarcato versus Damian Williams versus Keontae Ingram. It was messy, and then it clarified itself to an immense degree uh, this past week. DiMarcato had a 74% route uh, market share, and then he also had a 93% rushing market share among the running backs in uh, in week seven. And it kind of speaks to, to do two different points, that we have this window with James Conner being out. However, one thing discussed while James Conner was active was that he's a workhorse and he's great. However, this was one of the worst Hilo offenses, high leverage opportunities for running backs in the NFL. And they sit here as the number 32 Hilo NFL offense, which is unbelievably, uh, unbelievably poor. And it's really difficult unless you're Nick Chubb, unless you're Derrick Henry, unless you are Kenneth Walker from a year ago to overachieve that. It's a very difficult uh, situation to end up out producing. They are in the bottom quartile of the NFL in goal line 
uh, goal line carries for running back, and they are even lower than that in running back targets. Their best weekly finish is going to be this week, and it's just because of so many buys. They are in the mid-teens, and that's their best finish because six teams were on on buy. So Amari DiMarcato, to mention one aspect of this, is someone that if you have the, the true lead back role to a high level with a workhorse market share, he did this past week. And his result was 75 total yards. No touchdowns, 75 yards. And fortunately had five targets. So he monopolized a pie that is very small. It's a single serving pie. It's one of those baby pies from McDonald's. You, you can eat it in four bites. So this is where you're going with a 12-point option, you know, that because of that receiving volume, didn't sniff the end zone, did not have opportunities to score, and yet he was the, the unquestioned running back one. And what makes it dangerous is you have a low helo offense. And then you look at the schedule until James Conner is expected to return. You have Baltimore this coming week. Except for garbage time, Detroit had nothing going on, especially um, as a running team. Then you have Cleveland in week 9. Atlanta is stingy in week 10. We'll see about Houston in week 11. That's neutral plus. And then you have the Rams, which are stingy in week 12. James Conner is probably back by then, and likely back by then. So we're talking about a window where you're not going to be super excited about starting DiMarcado. There's a limited ceiling based on the level of offense and optimization for Arizona. And then you say, well, the schedule is working against you as well. So A, how many times are you going to start DiMarcado? B, how many times is he going to actually return impactful performance within that? All these are important questions when you quote-unquote hit the lottery with someone like DiMarcado, where you know we were picking him up for pennies. Uh, in terms of first come first serve, preemptively so. You know, this is a guy that could beat out Keontae Ingram. I don't think our pie in the sky was he's going to be a 90% market share guy, and James Conner is also going to miss time to to align with Demarcado's uh, market share in that capacity. But now you officially have Demarcado options. There's no bye weeks this week, but people at running back are generally hurting. There's a lot of question marks going out there. And I don't think the best idea is to sit and sell for a rookie pick alone. That value is probably going to be in the third round pick range. But using him as a tool to add to another deal is where you can find value. You can add to DiMarcado and get a starting level wide receiver. Seeing that in, I've seen deals where DiMarcado is the second piece for someone like Nico Collins or going to someone like Marquise Brown. Uh, so you have you have options there. You can go to maybe Deonta Foreman plus. You can also transition to someone possibly like Joe Mixon. So you have a lot of, or James Conner. So you have a lot of options to move somewhere where DiMarcado, again, is trapped in an offense that is not going to optimize him just as a player and as a position. And then also, he lacks all semblance of pedigree to say that he's going to survive and thrive beyond this season. So food for thought there. 
uh, with Amari Di Mercado certainly should be someone in your radius of, of dynasty analysis and thought here going into week eight, uh, coming off of his high market share week seven and being a popular waiver pickup in the previous weeks. Finally, wanted to give a shout out to the winner of the UTH Best Ball Contest for the super fans, for the subscribers that qualified for 2023. And in week seven, we have David uh, going through uh, recording this around Monday Night Football. He still has a firm lead uh, as that game is ongoing. So David is going to be declared the early winner here. Uh, He still has Brock Purdy and Jordan Addison playing at the time of this recording, but a sturdy lead for David. And that's on the the, the back of Mark Andrews, quality game, couple touchdowns for him this week. Darren Waller, another big performer, about 30 points in our boosted tight end scoring. And Dalton Kincaid, best game of the season for him. So about a third of his score coming off of three strong tight end performances. Puka Nakua, he got him for super cheap. Jordan Addison is on his way to a quality game here on Monday night. Jameer Gibbs back. Uh, and then also getting Desmond Ritter. You hold your nose with all those turnovers, but he still provided a quality game for David in his starting lineup optimized by the best ball settings. So the perfect storm week for David to take down the contest. And as always, congrats for being a part of it and uh, congrats for uh, uh, qualifying and participating and having taken down this this contest where you're going to move up from probably middle of the pack and move up at least 15, 20 spots in this early part of the season where you finish first in a week and you're probably going to be in the top 15 to 20 overall, no matter what you do for the next few weeks following or before. So congratulations, David, and thanks to my fantasy league for hosting the contest as always. That'll do it. Uh, for this week here on Under the Helmet. I want to remind folks we've got a number of, of content features, things like running back roundup, things like the updated trade calculator and dynasty rankings on a weekly basis over at uthdynasty.com. If you want premium audio con- uh, content, this is the place to go. Uh, pushing on 400 recordings and episodes for the year so far and plenty of time to go as we push towards championships during our season in 2023 here. And also, uh, no ads on the show other than talking about some of the UTH premium content that's offered that you can sign up at patreon.com slash UTH. Uh, that's going to get you even more bonus content. You get things like uh, what I what I really enjoy uh, late in the week is you get the start rate matrix. Uh, so that's going to clarify your starting lineup decisions Friday into Saturday into Sunday. And then also you're going to get the defensive uh, special and special teams uh, DST appeal ratings. You're also going to get the kicker uh, appeal ratings for pickups as well as streaming opportunities for the week of matchups. That's trackable and that has accountability for the year so you can see the results as well as the process on a weekly basis. So enjoy putting that together as well as uh, catching uh Contributors like Ryan Morgan, uh, we get together for a weekly recording session. Tim Torch, uh, he he sometimes is on this episode as well as catching him on the UTH patron recordings as well. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, during this uh, time of year, you have a lot of options in terms of listening to podcasts. So thank you so much for subscribing, rating, reviewing, and of course, listening over the years of many hundreds of episodes. Thanks so much, and good luck in your week nine and rest of the season results. I am Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep holding those tests. 
At least Quentin Patton was productive. Oh, take that, Philip Dorsett.